and we're live. This is Plant Daddy Podcast, serving you intersectional horticulture. I'm Matthew. And I'm Stephen. back with another chill and chat welcome to the month of march which is when spring officially begins we have both been really busy recently it feels like and our latest episodes have all been very detailed very full so we both literally just made some tea and we're sitting down to have a casual chat to catch up on everything that we've missed recently in each other's plant collections looking forward to that nice and easy (laughs) yeah so how are you doing steven i'm doing pretty well feels like spring really warm day today how about you how are you doing yeah i just actually got in the biggest project of our year uh submitted so my work life is going to be much more balanced these days and i appreciate that awesome uh more time to devote to the podcast right yeah, that's exactly what I'm what I'm aiming for. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually right. posted this on Instagram this morning, but I'm really excited, and I have to mention this first because we just talked about this plant recently, uh, Monstera Deliciosa, the one that I have been growing for years, and I had that whole long rehab project to get it back to yeah. its former glory. It just put out its first fenestrated leaf. There are two holes in it, and I knew it was coming soon. I said it in that episode that I knew it was going to happen at any new leaf, and we're finally there. So I actually feel so positive about that. This is like a really big success and a really big win for me that I kind of needed coming out of this long, dark winter. <sighs> Congratulations. Thank you know, you. yeah, I, th- I think I said all of my like snide stuff last time about that. Like, oh, you want holes in it? What? Um but Do you yeah, have I more snide things to say. You know, I'm just about out. Um, but oh. like, yeah, seriously, I am proud that you really stuck with this one. I kind of see you as a plant parent that will just buy the plant that you want, which makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. right? In a lot of cases, you really stuck with this one, and you uh, used all of your plant daddy powers to make it happen. So nice work. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I feel like I literally learned a lot and grew as a plant parent just because of this one particular plant. <laughs> Don't doubt that. Yeah. So I've also been on like this real repotting kick and that has been a lot of my succulents getting attention, which they often don't because they're just so like easy to put them on a windowsill and forget about them. But I had those little baby Euphorbia obesus seedlings that Mm -hmm. I think I, I don't, I might've sowed them in May and then they sprouted in June or something of last year. So they're now at the age where they kind of look like Euphorbia obesa finally. There's like... The little eight defined segments to them, they kind of have this purplish, grayish, green kind of cast to them. So I took them Mm -hmm. out of the little community pot that they started in. That soil was pretty organic heavy compared to what we recommended when we talked about these plants because they were seedlings. Yeah. And I was Mm -hmm. reading a lot of, uh, I was reading a lot of growers, uh, casual kind of hobbyists like us who found that growing their seedlings in a more moisture retaining mixture was actually the best way for them to get better, faster growth. So I gave that a try. They've now been potted up into a soil that has more mineral content to it than before, but it's still not nearly as gritty and free draining as the adult plants that I have. So they're just kind of hanging out under my grow racks now. Um, I haven't noticed any substantial growth since I repotted them last week, Um, but I'm curious to see kind of how they do towards the summer and kind of in the hotter weather. So it's kind of a fun little project. 
Okay, very cool. That is interesting to hear about the different soils you're using. Um, when I think about that, that makes sense. Like I have a little baby obesa that just sprung up in a pot that I already had. Mm -hmm. It has like the adult soil, super gritty kind of stuff that I like. But I have heard online that there's kind of a lot of different ways that you can grow these. Like they're actually not as picky as maybe we think because, you know, they were so hard for us to find and everything for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see how those do. I bet they'll do well. Okay. In my plant news, and this is big news, I gave plants away. I picked Ooh. up some succulents for a friend here in Seattle, and I gave them to him, and I didn't get any plants in return, which usually happens Ooh, in some kind lost. of sneaky way. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I like kind of yeah. took care of them. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, you can come pick these up. Uh, so that felt great. And I also gave away a philodendron pink princess that like wasn't very pink. I didn't even know that you had one. Yeah, I I could see you being shocked like, by that. Why did I, you have one? <laughs> So I so actually Miles gave me this one that wasn't very pink. He's like, oh, I think this is like sort of a failed pink princess, right? Because sometimes they're sort of revert or just not be very um, pink, right? Yeah. But yeah, I spent quality time with a philodendron. It put out several new leaves. I want to say I had it for maybe three or four months. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you can't say that I don't know philodendrons now, okay? I feel yeah. like it's part of my general tropicals coursework that i've done i'm gonna have a hard time so. remembering that you even grew that plant uh me too yeah hmm. now speaking of succulents that you've given to other people i actually ended up potting up that idenium that you gave me and oh nice it's doing pretty okay so far i ended up using a plastic pot because okay. that way i could just put it in like a decorative cash pot um and there's some space below where the plastic is between like the bottom of the the cache and everything so excess mm -hmm. water will drain i just have to make sure that i don't let the water get high in that pot to actually get into the substrate but i used a mix that had a good amount of organic material like compost to my favorite edna's best potting soil but it's heavily augmented with coarse sand perlite horticultural charcoal and um some pumice and some coconut husk chunks like we discussed. So okay. since I potted it up, it actually, it's producing a growth from the base. Like there's some new leaves coming out and hmm. it's been putting out what I think are little flower stalks that four of them have actually just yellowed and fallen off without doing anything. But there's a new one hmm. that's growing in. So I don't know, it might be trying to bloom, but I can't take credit for this <laughs> because like, I've only had it a couple of weeks. Okay, and you know not to come to me for Adenium advice. Um, <laughs> yeah, so my read of that is like, I would imagine that those were new branches that were going to just have leaves. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. This cultivar that I got was a prolific flower, they said. So maybe, and I know, I, well, I think flowers occur after dormancy, and it, it seemed to be dormant. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. I don't know who that helps, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually expect that it's going to truly bring a flower to full term and open, but, you know, it's at least trying. It's <laughs> yeah. putting out some leaves, and it's not dead yet. So I'm keeping it pretty well watered for the time being now that it's entering active growth again. Yeah. Okay. And you also told me that you went shopping. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah. I just needed to get out of the house. I felt so cooped up. So put on a mask and I went to our favorite indoor sun shop over in the Fremont neighborhood. I got two Venus flytraps, actually, a red one and a green nice. one. 
because after we covered them last week, I figured I just have to get these right. And so they're now living um, under really intense grow lights alongside like some of my other highlight plants. And Mm -hmm. the little pots they come in are the perfect size for these little glass square candle votives that I had. So oh, I'm just I like, know the ones you mean. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. So they're just each sitting in there, and I've flooded them about halfway with water, and they're not dead yet. And it's been two days. So <laughs> yes, fingers <laughs> crossed. We are all crossing our fingers for you now. And I know that I've mentioned that I like to go and electrocute the flies that happen to be inside, and then feed them to my mm-hmm. carnivorous plants. But that is actually Brian's favorite pastime is neurotically killing flies when we have a few. So I'm going to teach him how to kill a fly and then massage the trap after he's fed the plant so that this can be like an interactive experience that we both get to enjoy. And we're not wasting fly carcasses. The things we do during quarantine. Uh, Yeah, I mean... Let's. Well, and then I also went to our friend Miles' shop, of course. We're always talking about Miles because he's got some really good plants. And I got a Hoya Retusa. Nice. I've grown that in the past. I didn't really love it. And my starter plant was pretty weak and small. So this is like a better one. Like it's actually a really cute little plant. And I got this weird cactus. I think it's a gymnocalcium. But it has those pectinate spines that you said were going to be a trendy item. So I'm already on wow, trend now. look at that. Yeah, this nice. gray, lumpy <laughs> little plant. Then I also saw for the very first time in real life, uh, Alocasia Dragon Scale for sale. And I know that I was recently talking about how I ordered one from Indonesia last year. And it took a long time to arrive. It arrived dormant. So it's waking up but very very slowly and i just couldn't help it i i bought another one so i now have this extremely cute little dragon scale i'm actually just going to show you on zoom um oh nice it just has the most beautiful like luxuriantly glossy but very stiff and cardboardy foliage it makes me think of like it's been carved in jade and then like black ink has been smeared over it and then wiped off just the raised parts like it's a really handsome plant and i'm really excited about it so I've not been getting a lot of new plants in the last few months, but the ones that I got this weekend were really fun ones that I'm very excited about. Nice. It's always great when you can find a plant in person like that. That one looks yeah. really nice, actually, uh, yeah. you know, versus shipping, which, you know, those end up okay, of course, but they're kind of beat up by the time you it's get to It's that immediate gratification you. I sometimes want. <laughs> yeah, we all like that. Um, only thing I've bought lately is this kind of obscure sundew Drusera cunifolia. Okay. Um, this is, yeah, it's just kind of a chunky rosetted sundew. It's from, I think, one mountain in South Africa, which is kind of cool. Oh, nice. But yeah, this was one that I was given really early on in my plant parenthood. It didn't work out from the leaf cutting. Then I have this opportunity to try the plant again. So it's kind of like a goal plant of mine that I'm like, oh, if I ever encounter this again, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to do it this time. Uh, Seems to be adjusting well. And yeah, it's very like, it's just very kind of dewy. It looks sort of Mm. primitive, I would say, versus a lot of the other rosetted ones. So um, I'm anxious to share pictures once that kind of fills out and looks good. Oh, nice. I can't wait to see that. Okay. Is that it for plant updates? Yeah, I think so. Nice. Okay, before we dive into the topic, just a friendly reminder that we can be found on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest as Plant Daddy Podcast, online at plantdaddypodcast.com. If you want to reach out by email, we're plantdaddypodcast at gmail. Please make sure to rate and subscribe. That helps others find us. 
Okay, so it's barely spring here in Seattle now. Plants are starting to wake up. Selections are starting to improve at plant stores. We've done some winterizing chats before, but what about spring springizing, uh, so yeah. to speak? <laughs> What's on our to-do lists for the next few weeks? Okay, Matthew, are there any spring-specific plant care steps that you take? I don't know if any of these are like best practices or just kind of what I do, but I've been doing a lot of repotting lately. There's a lot of things that either continued growing all winter or they're just starting to resume growth now. So I'm either refreshing the substrate or I'm getting them in a larger pot if they've outgrown it. There's a few plants that I don't want to do that with right now, uh, just for the timing of it. But this is when I do a lot of that kind of initial getting things set up for their next season of active growth. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then that also means that I'm kind of taking the opportunity to do some propagating because some plants just need pruning back and then I have all that excess plant material. I also did this back in the fall, so I've been potting up some of those propagates that have rooted. And then mm -hmm. I'm also doing a lot of fertilizing. Um, light, small amounts, not with everything, but as our daylight hours are increasing, I'm seeing a lot more active growth on the majority of my plants. So I've nice. started kind of using a little bit more thoughtfully, like my watering schedule as my fertilizer time instead of specifically having that be its own different activity. So I'm using like quarter to half strength fertilizer like okay. with most of my waterings. And mm -hmm. I'm also starting to think about which of my flowering plants need a bloom boosting fertilizer that's low in nitrogen in order to hmm. initiate like strong flowering later in the year. So I'm kind of... Like which plants would those be? Uh, some of my orchids. I'm also... I consistently okay. use a bloom boosting fertilizer with things like my hibiscus, but I'm also looking at, um, there's a couple of tropical rhododendrons that I'm growing and one of them has oh, like yeah. several flower buds in various states of development. One of them is looking like it's getting real close to kind of bursting open so that the buds start to emerge. And I'm really hoping that okay. that actually happens successfully but i'm also thinking about plants like you know peace lilies and like the african violet and some of those gisneriads that i grow okay the mm -hmm. plumeria is beginning to wake up now i never ended up putting it in the garage just stayed in a fairly warm room with lower light and it went deciduous <laughs> and it's been precious. fine <laughs> yeah but yeah. it looks like it's gonna have nine growth points this year so wow. it's gonna get a better place than it has right now but that's one that I'm now like putting some energy into since it's made it through the winter. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Oh, and then also one important thing that I'm doing is I'm beginning to water some plants that are coming out of their dry rest periods. So I grow a few orchids mm -hmm. that have like cool dry winter needs. They've all entered into active growth again. So they're now getting their first water in several months. There's a couple of other plants that I'm kind of treating this way, but I'm both increasing my water frequency as well as like watering everything. Like all of my jewel alocasia mm -hmm. have been deciduously dormant for months. They're all getting water yeah. now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's fun to watch those things wake up. Yeah. Well, how about you? Um, for me, I would say a lot of the changes are outdoors so far. I'm trimming my Saracenia that are out there on my balcony. Mm. I'm just trying to get them ready for new growth. I didn't do this the first year or two that I had Saracenia outside, but I've started to really trim them back. I think it looks better. They seem to bounce back better and uh -huh. not kind of grow around a bunch of the deadish growth from previous seasons. I yeah. don't know if it's like a little bit of that, you know, kind of 
natural burn sort of effect that you're getting. I mean, we were talking about, I don't know, an episode or five ago. Um, so yeah, that I think makes them look really good. And it's kind of satisfying actually to, to kind of cut them all back and see like the really cool big rhizome that has developed that you've grown right since yeah. like the last time you saw it, you know, a year ago. Um, I'm going to split up some of those, maybe repot and gift some of those. So, um, hey, I know you have outdoor space. Maybe I'll you take want some Saracenia. Some... I, I need to repot mine. They've been in the same container for probably six years. Like, Holy it, crap. It, it, is, it is really time. I actually Whoa. did notice like some diminished growth in them. Yeah. So, like, this is the time that I'm going to start doing that. And uh, yeah, I'll take any that you don't want. Okay, I have some interesting ones actually. Cool. Uh, one called Tarnock that has really interesting flowers. I don't know if it would flower for you the first year, but that's okay. I can uh, wait. Yeah, they're cool and kind of roughly. Um, anyway, I moved my Venus flytrap, the one with the aphids. If you heard our last episode, it yeah. constantly has aphids. I moved it to its own water tray, and I'm gonna start kind of like courses of pesticide treatments there i hate to like say that i don't know i always feel a little bit dirty using pesticides or something but yeah looking forward to that one that will wake up pretty soon i bet okay um doing a lot of the same stuff that you mentioned like my hungrier plants they're getting fertilized um basically the croton is the big one the croton that i have that is never doing very well like we don't have the humidity or the light that i think i mean we have it but it would take like an entire table for me to reproduce so yeah um but yeah it keeps it keeps springing back. I keep thinking it's going to die and it, it never like quite defoliates and it will start, you know, it will grow again and yeah. it looks nice. And anyway, I just find it um, to be so miserable. I know I want to change your mind, but first I have to figure out how to grow it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll get back to you. Um, I have my cabbage tree as well. Um, I think that's Dendroceris is the genus, if you're curious. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a weird little plant from uh, Pacific Island, you know, so of course I'm going to like it. But yeah. it has really cool flowers, really weird leaves. And that one's been pretty hungry too. So I put some Osmocote pellets in there. And yeah, same kind of stuff about plants getting thirstier. I'm starting to watch for that. Some of the um, plants that I have on that uh, table that's like near my couch that I don't acknowledge or whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, over there they're starting to dry out a lot faster and put on some new growth so uh yeah just refreshing those um and this next story only partly counts but i adjusted some of the light timers on my strongest grow lights here indoors uh -huh. and wow uh a bit less light seems to be very very appreciated by some of these succulents like i i just thought that i wasn't having like i didn't have the heat to get some of these to thrive indoors, I think I just had the lights on for too long. And oh, a little so you're giving them summer conditions where they're like winter growing well, or something? I was giving them maybe like uh, some kind of extreme, like the tilt of the earth changed kind of conditions. Maybe. Okay. Like <laughs> I felt like, like they weren't dormant, but some of these were just kind of, uh, whatever. It's embarrassing. I should have seen this sooner. Maybe this helps somebody. Like, if you're not seeing the growth that you might think from your succulents, it might not be a heating mat that you need. Just try turning the light down or up or something. Um, but I have my two kind of strange Sansevieria, uh, Sansevieria Balliae. Mm -hmm. Balliae? Um, it's like a mini cylindrica looking one. And Concina, which is kind of like a miniature, I love more broad leafed one. form. Yeah, that one's really cool. They both put on tons of new growth. The Balliae 
is now blooming. It has this really kind of juicy bloom full of nectar. It's oh, really nice. pretty interesting. And yes, of course, I did try it. I was going to ask. Matthew? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's sweet. It's not like as good as Nepenthes, okay, if we're talking nectar. Okay. Um, this is embarrassing. I'm going to stop it. <laughs> anyway, it's been great. Um, so yeah, that's been a cool, like, weird breakthrough that I should have seen and done a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Cool. So are there any plants in particular that have been waking up, putting on active growth and impressing you right now? Um, besides those, uh, I mean, really, it's new growth on many things, you know, in my windowsills, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely epiphytic cacti, like fishbone cactus is putting out two new, I think, leaves, which is pretty big. Oh, cool. For It's not, it's not a large plant, so. Yeah. How about you? All of my black ravens actually are producing new shoots right now which is great because those are classically slow growing and i haven't had a lot Mm -hmm. of growth on them but they're consistent they just like kind of truck along the wait how do you fertilize those i don't um okay see i don't either yeah (laughs) i'm like oh are you just doing something diluted okay no i i would just use like a balanced fertilizer for them i haven't been fertilizing them because they haven't really been an active growth the most recent watering when I was using like quarter strength balanced like foliage fertilizer, uh, they mm-hmm. did get some then, but it was quarter okay. strength. So it wasn't that much. I don't really think much right. about the ZZ plants when it comes to fertilizer. But mm-hmm. that really special peace lily that I was talking about also recently. Uh, oh, wait, the, the miniature? No, actually, the miniature one is putting out its second flower now. But one of the large ones, the uh, white silver that kind okay, of like yeah, special silverish yeah. yeah that one is putting out its first flower in my care right now the sensation spathophyllum is putting out its second flower in my care the really small silver stripe one is putting out its second mm-hmm. flower in my care i mean i got these plants fairly recently so it's not like okay you know it's that much of an achievement but i'm very happy about it yeah well they they are high producing so that's good yeah as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, I'm also really excited because we actually get questions about my fiddle leaf fig semi-regularly because when we Mm -hmm. covered the fiddle leaf fig last year, I was talking about how I was going to do this air layering because I wanted to make the plant shorter and get it to branch better. 
this has taken longer than I thought. I don't want to rush it. I want to make sure that there okay. are enough roots. Sorry, longer than you thought? That not that like the fiddly fig story always? Well, yeah, but I was planning that I would <laughs> get it growing, new roots, and then cut it off and pot it up in like the same year. But I've actually left the air layer intact, and I took like one of those plastic takeout soup containers, and I mm-hmm. cut a hole in the bottom, and I split it from that hole all the way up through the top. I cut a hole in the lid, split that to the edge, and so I just like tucked that over the moss that already had roots established. I backfilled mm-hmm. it with uh, potting soil, just like what I would pot an adult plant in, and I secured the lid back on, and... Within days, actually, I saw fresh roots growing out from the moss ball, hitting the side of the plastic container, and now they're growing really thick and dense in there. And it's been using so much water. I'm literally watering this plastic container like every two days because it dries so quickly. So, wow, yeah, it's putting on a lot of root growth. It's actually putting on some foliage growth, too. But I think that it's not going to be long before I finally decide to go ahead and just like cut that off pot it up. I'm going to reduce the length of the branches by at least half to reduce the amount of foliage that the plant cutting has to then carry. And I'm going to try to keep it in the highest humidity that I can, like almost unnatural humidity during that acclimation process to kind of help it along while it's establishing more roots. I'm probably going to do the same thing with this stump that I severed the top portion from because I want to encourage that to put out some new shoots as well. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. It hasn't produced any side shoots below where the air layer is, but that's at least the state of my fiddly fig project. I recently posted an update to the Facebook group if anyone wants to see photos. Okay, and that was way back in episode 39, if you're curious for the backstory there. That was a while ago. Yeah. Fiddly fig, that is a long-term relationship. <laughs> okay. You know, every now wow. and then I just have these plants that I will commit years of my life to. Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, we wish you the best. I mean, Thanks. we'll check in, in in a year. <laughs> yeah, I'll have updates next year. <laughs> okay, so what are your plans for the season? Um, all right, we've talked about care and what's changing and what we've noticed and stuff. Are you going to order anything? Yeah, actually. I don't have like an actual list of plants that I've been waiting to order through the winter. But like I said at the top of the episode, I have just really bought fewer new plants this winter than in any recent year. Um, it was a combination of like shipping delays and the weather and the pandemic. But I'm really itching to add a few new orchids. Like there's a few species that I'd like to get. I'd like to replace some plants that I no longer have that I had in the past. So I'm going to start Mm -hmm. ordering some orchids probably within another like month or two. There's a couple foliage plants like some Hoyas that I'm still looking for. But I'm really excited to kind of take a look into some of the succulents and some of the codex forming plants that I've always like liked but avoided because i knew they wouldn't do well for me in the past so there's a few Mm. cacti that are on my list i really want to continue on with the stapeliads because i've really enjoyed growing the ones that i have so far yeah yeah and yeah you should yours have done really well yeah like this is going to become a new dedicated like interest for me i'm pretty sure But then I'm also really excited about some of the borderline hardy plants that I now have the outdoor space to grow. And I also have the garage space to store them for our coldest portions of winter. So like 
you know, that um, Streletsia juncea, like that kind of reed-leaved bird of paradise that we talked about recently. Yeah. I have found a nursery that I'm going to order a couple of plants for us, and we're both going to wow. grow them outside. So, you know, expect to get one of those plants fairly soon, because I'm really excited about that. And I've also been getting a lot of seed catalogs and perennial catalogs in the mail. So I've been folding over all the pages for like, all these various heirloom flowering perennials and some plants I can easily grow from seed. Yeah, like what does this mean for the podcast, right? I mean, we have a houseplant-oriented podcast. I feel like because you and I haven't really had outdoor space, that's at least been part of it, right? Well, like, I, okay, we had balconies, yeah. right? But so often that was like potted stuff that we'd take in and out. I'm just really excited about the options that I now have that are a little bit more than just like houseplant options, if that makes sense. Yeah okay so it's not going to be like full-on oh i'm gonna grow tomatoes and beans right it's still uh maybe a house planty kind of you know collector-ish focus uh, or approach there but yeah like <laughs> right, the, the, cool. the biggest swerve that i'm going to be making from kind of my my house plant sensibility is mostly going to be like i wouldn't mind growing a bunch of flowers that i could just like cut for bouquets like sweet peas and you know oh yeah so i might do some of that like kind of cottage gardeny flowers just for fun but i am mostly still thinking about like collecting rare heirloom like unusual things okay and then you know of course yeah. i may have things that need to live in your yard okay but you, well, you that know, goes that'll without be saying. fine as long as i don't have to drag them here or back or whatever oh. now and of um, course because i'm renting i don't want to like landscape the yard so it's mostly going to be container stuff anyway um, mm -hmm. but I am going to need to set up an outside zone for my three box turtles. They're currently, uh, <laughs> just chilling in the garage in a large container of compost and leaves because it's winter time and they want to take a nap. Um, but that's going to be a project that I start in about a month or so, kind of creating like a big secure, like boxed in woodland garden that they can't dig out of and that raccoons and neighbor children can't get into. So, okay. Yeah, you're going to be busy. There's a ton okay, of logistics involved. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Well, what about you, though? Um, so, remember, I threatened to move when Matthew said he was going to move. And that's right. it's now happening. Yeah, so April 1st, um, that's when I will move to a new place. Congrats. Uh, and I think that's going to... Yeah, that's... I'm excited. Um I think that will kind of dominate my spring and kind of my plant life for a little bit, just packing up the adjustment for my plants after stuff like that. And really a lot of the stuff that we've talked about over the last, you know, couple months with your move. Well, and that probably explains why you haven't added a lot of new plants to your collection. Yeah. And I think a big part of the move too, will be getting rid of some plants, which like we've talked about the concept before, right? But I'm here. So, you know, when you move, whether it's a larger or smaller place, you kind of have to rethink how everything fits together. Um, yeah. I've been thinking about that. Uh, it's just, and that's just easier to do with fewer plants to start with. So, you know, not like having my vining nepenthes that leans on a wall here and then on part of the table at this part of the plant, like just right. You know, I have to kind of get rid of those situations. Yeah. Um, Am I going to get first dibs on these plants you're getting rid of? Actually, yeah. I was thinking about how to say that to you. <laughs> I was kind of like, <laughs> I'll just hey. ask directly. Yeah, I was like kind of thinking about, you know, oh, what, what should I just offer right now, you know, in, in before I know if I want to get rid of it or not? <laughs> like what? <laughs> what could I possibly take back, right? Um, I can also home some but, plants for you until you're settled in. <laughs> yeah, and I will definitely take advantage of that. And I think, you know... 
this is stuff that we've both alluded to. So I, I felt pretty overwhelmed by the different care routines that my now very diverse collection needs. And I'm just looking forward to having less of that. Honestly, you know, you think about moving and getting rid of things, right? Yeah. I think that's part of it. Um, I just want to have time to devote to weird plants with complicated care that I have to check a lot and learn about kind of like where I came from a little bit in the plant hobby more. I just don't feel like I have time for that right now. So I'm looking forward to just trimming down. Um, That makes sense. But yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, what do I just not like? There's this little purple Opuntia that I got for free. And I'm, you know, I'm grateful. (laughs) Really? I love Opuntia. Okay, yeah, take it. It's like a perfectly good plant. It has never given me a trouble. It has stabbed me. And it hasn't yes. etiolated um, so that it has like round pads and then tall, narrow, thin, floppy ones. Oh, no, this one I have been frying Perfect. Okay, for okay. a while. It's deeply, it's pretty deeply purple, but it's just kind of blah to me, you know? And I and like, I think about the plants that I have. I like almost all of them, or I kind of have relationships with a lot of them at this point now, yeah. um, especially in quarantine, right? Like we, we stare at each other all day or something. Yeah. But- yeah, that one I think I can get rid of. And then I have some plants that I kind of want to get a little bit more out of before I'm done. Okay. Uh, that to me is the Thai pink lipstick plant. I just want to see that flower. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm going to be kind of like, okay, we never really interact. I'm not that into you. I can be done. Um, yeah. you know, I can give cuttings away or something. It's just, yeah, I'm kind of going to the And I'll take that collection. one too. Like I hate bubblegum pink flowers, mm-hmm. but I'll take that one. Yeah, I know that you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Thanks. yeah. Okay. This is, yeah, this is a good chat. All right. Maybe I've taken care of any of my uh, plant downsizing, you know, needs yeah. uh, with you, Matthew. So you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's not really about acquisition as much, right? Um, but kind of using that opportunity to kind of clean the slate, really focus on what I really like about this hobby that maybe I've you know kind of gotten lost in the in the volume yeah. or something of plants over the past uh, couple months. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I feel like we've both taken on a lot of plants outside of our like pure natural interest over the course of the podcast and. Honestly, it's been kind of overwhelming. Like, I'm caring for plants just like you are that, like, I either don't have a natural inclination for or they are not plants that are like any others in my care. So, like, you have to do something completely different for, you know, now eight different collections of, like, little plants within your Mm -hmm. larger one. Yeah, and how many of us in quarantine have this going on, right? You know, like, if you're a new plant parent or or not, I think we've all acquired a lot. Um, Yeah. So... I am legitimately concerned for when I go back to the office consistently because I have a feeling that half my plants are just going to die because I now like water multiple times a day, different groups of plants. I check in with them. Wow. I mean, like it's been, you know, next. That's going to be huge. You're right. Next week makes the one year anniversary of me working from home. My life has changed very much like everybody else's. So my plant care routine has changed a lot. And it's going to be weird for a lot of people. Well, okay. So on that moving note, do you have any post-move learnings for me, Matthew? Like we've talked about it a few times, no repeats. What would you change that I should know? Yeah. So I was thinking about this in terms of like, what would I have said if we had recorded the episode where we discussed my move at the end of summer now? Mm -hmm. Because there are some things that kind of took longer to emerge One of them is that, like, some plants just didn't end up adjusting to the new conditions. Like, they didn't decline rapidly, but they just never really 
jumped on board with like the move and the new space. Mm -hmm. So I've actually tossed a bunch of plants in the last couple of months that I just ultimately stopped caring for or about. Um, There's no cautionary Mm -hmm. tale there. I think that we all kind of have moments where it's like, okay, if you just like kick the bucket, I'll compost you. And that spot can have somebody else who's going to do better. Um, I think that's just kind of natural for a lot of people, but I kind of have like this little wave of plants like from October through December that I just got rid of. Um, I think that it's also, I said this before, but I moved from one of the worst growing spaces that I've ever had into probably Mm -hmm. one of the best. So like I was very fortunate and very lucky for how that played out for me and my plants are very lucky. But I think that one of the biggest things that I would point out, which might just seem obvious, I lost plants because like in the moving process you're like uh i'll just go put you here out of the way i'll deal with you later i'll get you set up in a space later mm-hmm. those are the plants that didn't get enough light they didn't get enough water they would get pests like i think that it is important that you don't just think okay i'm gonna put this over here and deal with it in a month or two when i get back to thinking about it <laughs> yeah plants are living organisms duh but like that's how I lost a few plants. Like there's this little collection of plants that I just put somewhere because I needed them not in my way. And I came to just be used to seeing them there. And so then it kind of became a decor moment, even though they didn't get any light. Like they were getting ambient mm. light bounced off of a building across the the alleyway from us. Oh. So like, you know, actually think about how you're setting okay. them up in your space to avoid more casualties that are yeah. necessary. <laughs> Okay, this is a good call out, actually. So for me, sometimes I will move something and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to repot you. So I'm going to put you on the table now. Sometimes it's on the table for a week, you know, like, and then I just think to myself, I'm like, well, you know what? The sun isn't out every day in nature. Okay, like it's a cloudy day. But yeah, that's fine for some plants. But my my Orbia that I grow, like I had to salvage it after it rotted dramatically after a couple of days in a box in a dark oh. room because like it yeah. wasn't even wet, but that wasn't what it wanted and yeah. all of its roots died. So it's alive and doing great now, <sighs> but some plants are resilient to this. Others are not. Some plants trick you in to a false sense of security with how dependable they are. But that's why my pothos all look mm-hmm. bad right now because I'm like, these plants don't need that much from me and they'll be able to oh. tolerate this. And now I have to kind of prune them back and let them regrow some fresh, attractive foliage with a lot of like ugly leaves that have occurred in the last few months. Mm. Okay, that's good to think about. Um, My other question there, did you end up changing your soil at all? Because I mean, in a new space, right? Yeah, things are going to, like, they're going to dry out faster. Like, this is going to have more light and act differently. But I'm just wondering, like, did it get to the level that you were changing the construction of, like, the setup? Like more specifically like that, like, okay, you're including more organic material or something, or you're including more perlite for something that needs to drain faster, that's not drying out or et cetera. Yeah. I I mean, that's very good question. I have been changing my aeroid mix a little bit. It worked well in my old apartments to have a very airy, very coarse, chunky mix that drained well because I could just kind of like water everything whenever I wanted without thinking about the risk of root rot but in the new space there's a lot more light 
I also have a fireplace that is our primary heating over the winter. And so things are drying way faster than I can keep up with watering because, you know, mm-hmm. I have like 400 plants. It is almost yeah. unmanageable. Yeah. And I run a humidifier in there almost constantly and it mm-hmm. keeps the humidity around 50%. In the summertime, I didn't have any problem keeping it over 50, but without that, it'll drop down to like the mid 30s um, with the fireplace going. So Mm -hmm. like the Heliumphora, like that gorgeous, like exotic little Venezuelan pitcher plant, that thing is now a rehab project for me because it loved my last apartment. Mm -hmm. I actually almost never watered it because it was under a cloche, but in the new space that cloche did not protect it as well. I don't know why, but it just consistently Mm -hmm. got way too dry. So I'm rehabbing that one as I'm repotting my aeroids, depending on where they are. Like if they're on my grow racks and if I'm going to like leave them sitting in a tray of water, like I'll still use a really coarse, airy substrate because of kind of what Mm -hmm. that condition is. But I'm incorporating finer uh, particulates, less of the chunky bits and mm-hmm. it's really helping. Like, I think that it's important when you're constructing a substrate to think about the entire condition that the plant has to live in in that substrate. So mm-hmm. a borderline dry room that gets a lot of light and there's like a couple hundred plants in it. To me, it's not great to have like my <laughs> Gloriosa. I need to repot that because one, it's outgrown the pot. But two, this is getting well, this is like the most nerdy conversation we've yeah. ever had. Maybe right. <laughs> well, when we covered the Gloriosa, <laughs> but, it's one of my favorite philodendrons, yeah. and it's been one of my best growing. It has not liked this new space, and I think it's because mm-hmm. my substrate is so coarse, and so it's going to get a finer, kind of more nutrient rich, more moisture retaining mix in a shallower pot so that it has more room to scramble but it's growing Mm -hmm. like six new leaves at the moment which is great because the existing ones kind of look like hell by this point so i'm really hoping that like i've made some adjustments that are going to be better in the growing season but Mm -hmm. i have a bunch of hoyas that i need to be repotting in the coming weeks and i'm going to do something very different for them i've used Uh, basically a finer version of the aeroid substrate in the past for my Hoyas. They've loved it. It was great. They're drying too fast, like I said, with all these other plants. So I'm doing something Mm -hmm. that's a little bit more like peat heavy, a little bit less fur bark. Um, I'm I'm just hoping that that makes my life easier and it keeps them looking a little happier. And I've acquired enough Hoyas recently that like it's time to repot all of them into something that's consistent uh, makes it so that I don't have to water this one like five times as often as that one, you know. Okay, that's all interesting to hear. I kind of wonder how I'll have to adjust in my new space. I think it's going to be warmer. And for me, I have only been a plant parent in my current apartment, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we we think a lot about this stuff, maybe too much. I mean, we have a podcast about it, but like, yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated equation. All of the stuff that makes up your conditions mm-hmm. at home, um, so yeah, it's interesting. I, I wonder what tools I will have to use, right. To adjust my plants to the, to the new uh, conditions. Okay. Yeah. And this move that I had at the end of the summer, that was kind of my second move as a plant parent. And I've grown mm-hmm. a ton since that point. So when I moved from 
like our old old neighborhoods to our more recent old neighborhood i lost mm-hmm. so many plants like i basically lost my orchid collection in that move wow. and that was really mm-hmm. upsetting this time i lost far fewer plants but i've been much more keenly aware of just everyone's growing space is unique and sometimes we have moments where we move into a really great growing space like I just have. But you also might move into a space that has really subpar growing conditions like mm-hmm. I did four years ago. And so it's these little like tweaks and adjustments that we can make in some of our care routines that ultimately make the best of either of those conditions. But then if you have new conditions once again, you might have to kind of reevaluate almost everything just to make Mm -hmm. sure that you have the same success that you had before. I think it's fun, but I'm very curious to hear once you've been in your new space for at least a couple of months, you're moving at the beginning Mm -hmm. of spring. By the time that you're entering the end of summer, I'd really love to have us kind of recap what you've learned, what changed. Did you maybe start putting organic content in your succulent mixes? (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I put a lot more organic material than you do in that. So it's, it's going to be fun to kind of hear how this works. And ultimately, I think it's going to help us be able to better speak to all the various conditions that other people grow their own collections in. Yeah. And I think during quarantine, especially, a lot of people are moving. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully some of these musings helps uh, somebody. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, but this has been a nice, just relaxing chat. We've had so much on our mm-hmm. plates and we've had so much content we've been trying to work on that this has been a good little catch up. I feel like I I don't even know you since you have a pink princess apparently you're right you don't okay wow i'm, I'm gonna I'm talk to in. a therapist about this i i've changed <gasps> i'm gonna keep a close eye on you and i'll get in touch with your mom <laughs> thank you uh, all right well this has been plant daddy podcast thanks for listening don't forget to like and subscribe tell your friends about us and if you enjoy what you've heard today consider giving us a five-star rating that'll help others find us too if you want to get in touch email us at plant daddy podcast at gmail or check us out on social media search plant daddy podcast thanks for listening and happy growing As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.